So let's preach on joy. Um, I, I just I was seeing a lot of things on Facebook this week, and you know, tragic that so many people have passed away. Uh, we found out some people we went to high school with, somebody just recently passed away. And, you know, I'm young, I'm 33 years old, so when we hear about people passing away, that's tragic because that's obviously not 80, 70 years or 80 if you're righteous. You know, so the enemy steals and kills and destroys. So, so anyway, I see this RIP all the time. And this week I was just like, God, I don't want to rest in peace. You know, like that sounds really crazy. I want to party in heaven. I don't want to rest. I'm not going to get tired. I'm not going to be worn out, right? Because there's no sorrow in heaven. There's no disability in heaven. I want to party in peace. I don't want to sleep a moment up there. And just like when it says the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner repenting, right? So this is continual party. I want to be right in that party zone. I don't want to go to that rest zone. Maybe some of you are tired and you want to rest. I want to party because I'm not going to be tired up there. Right? Nick, Nick used to, I used to always look out for Nick when he's working third shift because he's a go-getter and he works way too much overtime and, and all this stuff. But I was, I was like, Nick, you got to get some sleep, man. You, you can't just live on two, three hours a day. He'd always say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> I don't want to sleep when I'm dead. I want to party when I'm dead. So if it's in heaven and there's joy in heaven, there's a continual party in heaven, and we're a heaven-to-earth model, and Jesus in the, even tells us in the Lord's Prayer, let your will be done, it says kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want this to be a party zone. Yeah. Right? And I share a little bit of this through worship. I was, I was a wreck in the party zone in the world. I tried to commit suicide a few times. I looked in the mirror, hated myself, hated waking up feeling nasty, regretful, sick, all these things, and I hated it, right? I should not have to leave that system to come to a system and feel the same way, regretting coming to church. Gotta wake up again and go to church. Snooze. Right? Oh, boy, not another day at church. How's it going to go this week? Is the music going to be too loud this week? Are we going to have to do that again? Oh, is, is the leader going to tell me to teach on this? Because if it's not my way, it's the highway. Well, the cool thing is, Jesus said actually he hits the highways and the byways. And the roads less traveled. So he'll get you anyway. Right? He likes those highways. So when you think it's only your way, it's a little easier just to come right now rather than him search you out on the highway and byway. Amen? But anyway, I don't want to be in a system. I don't want to be in a religious system. I don't want to be in an organization. I don't want to be in a business that I don't look forward to coming to church and having a good time. Amen. The last time I read my Bible, it's called the gospel or the good news. Amen. This is a good news story. This is, this is a good news book. If I want to watch negative news and I want to watch bad things and I want to live a life of negative, I'll just turn my TV on. I want the good news. And the good news is something to celebrate. The good news is something to be happy about. The good news is something to have joy in your heart and your spirit about. And, and I was caught up in that system where I woke up hating myself. I don't wake a day up anymore hating myself. I wake up wired and crazy and annoying the poop out of my wife because I'm so anxious to do something. She's like, yeah. And she wakes up the same way. And some mornings when I'm tired, I'm like, just give me five minutes. I'm willing to get there though, right? Last week I asked you, how many are happy today? How many are happy today? I'll just do it again. How many, just be honest with me, how many woke up not so happy, but you're willing to get there? I appreciate your honesty. That is awesome. I'm always willing to get there. 
Okay? So I don't wake up unhappy or happy all the time. It's a mix. Alright? I'll be honest with you. I wake up tired sometimes. Sometimes I'll get four or five hours a night, four hours, five hours of sleep a night, and, and I wake up tired. I'm still natural, right? But I'm willing to be supernatural. Because I know that God's power and His joy and His supernatural energy will come up in my bones and these will not be dry bones anymore. So let's, let's just speak on this just a little bit. I'm going to be all over the place. But see, I'm not a prisoner in an exchange system where I have to be a prisoner in the world and I come to church and I'm a prisoner in captivity and religion. Religion without God should be dead. Religion without Jesus, religion without life, because in His presence is the fullness of what? Joy. Joy is the good news. So I don't want to be caught up in a system where I don't look forward to coming in. See, Jesus came to set the captives free. And I'm going to read Hebrews 12 too. Hebrews 12 too says this. And I'm going to bounce back and forth from New King James to NLT. My wife, she bought me this incredible Bible. It's version 2. I've always loved the New Spirit-filled Life Bibles. And I had an NKJV version. Now she got me the NLT version, which is my personal favorite version to just read. And uh, so now I have two study Bibles. I'm excited about it. And uh, I love the feeling of crispy pages. Right? That fresh. And I'm like doing this. I'm fanning myself on this one. And I can't wait to mark this one up and highlight in it. And um, so I'm excited for that. But we're going to go Hebrews 12.2. We'll go NKJV. New King James on this one. Had a hole in my lip on that one. It says, Look, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy that was set before him. Say that. Say the joy, joy. That was set before him. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, it was the joy set before him. Who on the cross, who or what is the joy set before him? It's me and you. What was the joy? To offer eternal life to everybody coming in the future and in the past. Amen. So it was the joy set before him. So the joy set before him is you and I. So he gives us free gift of, of eternity, of salvation, of miracles, of signs, of wonders, all this stuff. And the joy set before him is us. We are joy. Right? God is love. He's in us, so we're love, but we're also joy because God is joy. Jesus was perfect theology, right? Jesus was perfect doctrine, and Jesus was the most normal Christian to ever walk the planet. And Jesus was full of joy. How do I know that? Because the little kids were drawn to him. Have you ever seen a little kid drawn to a scary, creepy, mean person? <laughs> creepy man in the panel van. No. <laughs> Kids are not drawn to that. They're drawn to people full of life, full of joy, right? We're to be the reflection of Jesus. So, so here, Jesus set the joy before him, which is you and I, and he's doing it because he chose to because he loved us. So here's this joy that he's putting forth. So our warfare really needs to turn into joy fair. See, Jesus paid so that we can play. He paid a price so that we don't have to walk around in depression and walk around with fear and walk around with these things. He paid a price so that you and I can walk around in freedom because He came to set the captives free. And I'm thankful for freedom today. And freedom brings me joy. So, so then the Bible says in Psalms 35, it says, For His anger lasts only a moment, 
but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, or mourning may last through the night, but joy comes what? In the morning. So there might be a season of hardship we've been through. There might be a season of just a tough time. But see, the Bible commands us, it says to what? Rejoice always. Rejoice always. It's actually a command. He's telling us. He's not asking us, will you rejoice always? He's saying, rejoice always. Well, how about rejoice in the hard times? Well, James 1, 2 says, count all the trials joy. Right? Because it builds character. It builds endurance. It builds patience. It builds these great things of integrity. Right? So how do we do that? Let me tell you how we rejoice always and how we rejoice even through the nasty stuff. Right here. Because no matter what we're going through right now, it is not bigger than what God can handle. Because we trust that it's way better in His hands than if we try to take it in our hands. So we sit back in a position that's down here on the far one in a position of peace, right? So here we are in perfect peace, trusting that God has it all in His hands. So then we get to experience joy because perfect love casts out all fear. That was really good, wasn't it? I didn't even rehearse that. So we're sitting here in perfect peace, shalom peace, because we know God is working it out because we're trusting that. So we don't have to go in and work so hard and tarry and beg for these gifts. The fruits are on the trees just saying, pick them. You need love, joy, peace, patience, endurance. All these things are the fruits of the Spirit. He's saying, just pluck them. They're yours. They're freely yours. I freely have. I freely give. And joy is one of them. So here we are. We're, we're in this, this thing. And, and, and it's time that we start to reflect who Jesus really is. And I mentioned that on one of the first weeks or last week. That we are created in His image. And an image is a reflection. So it's time we reflect who Jesus really is. Yeah. Not this judgmental, hard, fear-giving God. Now, I believe in being fear in all of God. I believe in that. I believe in a real hell, and I believe in sin, and I believe in all that, right? But I believe He's loving and just. So where there's no propitiation and no saying yes to what Jesus did on the cross, I understand where that leads. I understand that. But it's not that God wants to send you there. It actually says in the Word that He desires a relationship. He desires for the whole world to come to know Him. That's what the Bible says. So here we have this loving Father who's loving and just because not knowing Him is an injustice. Having diabetes, I, I said there's three things we're going after in this season. Three physical healings that we're going for. We're going aggressively. And, and I don't know how yet, but we're just going to go for them. Diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. We're going to hit them hard. Why? Because every one of those is an injustice because they don't exist in heaven. Anything that's not in heaven is an injustice. One of my next messages. So when God's loving and just, He's bringing justice anywhere where there's injustice. And when there's not joy, that's an injustice. So He's loving and just. And He's saying, I have it. It's for you. So, so when we reflect, that's who Jesus is. We're reflecting joy. We're reflecting love. We're reflecting the goodness of God. It is the goodness of God that leads men where? To repentance. It's not, it doesn't say it's the fear of hell that leads men to repentance. That'll change you for a season. That'll change you for a short stint. But then all of a sudden, the goosebumps wear off. 
But the foundation, when it's love, it's there forever because we understand the love of the Father. We understand how great love He had for us. 1 John 3, 1, that we are His children. We are His very own children. And in, in the other place in the New Testament, it says we're adopted with the spirit of adoption where we cry out, Abba Father, Daddy. So here, all of a sudden, but we need to reflect the goodness of God because it's the goodness of God that turns hearts. It's the goodness of God when somebody doesn't have to be hungry. I was, I was talking on Skype this week to our pastor in Mexico. And we were just sharing hearts and just adding value to each other. And there, he's kind of in a discouraging time as a pastor. And summer, you know, numbers are down. And people just come once a month or when they feel like it and, and whatever. And he's getting discouraged. I said, don't get discouraged. Those are times that actually God's allowing you to invest in the family and the foundation of the church and the culture that's God willing you to create. Amen. Don't get discouraged by that. We use that as an opportunity to get close, to build the foundation, because when the foundation is stronger, we can build higher. So I never get discouraged by that. I never get discouraged when I see empty seats because I'm not preaching to, to the 200 of you. I'm not preaching to five. I'm preaching to the thousands and the multitudes whose hears here and who catches it, catches it. Right? Because I'm not preaching to the faces. I'm preaching what God wants me to speak. But here's the deal. So he's getting discouraged and getting discouraged. And, and, and I, just, I just shared with him. I was like, Armando... If you put something that's advertising enough in front of them, pretty soon they'll desire it and they'll start to crave and they'll start to want it. We took a, we have a hydrant kid, he's an intern, and uh, he's a great kid, man, I, I love that kid. And uh, anyways, we took him to sushi. First time he'd ever even tried sushi in any way, shape, or form. Never even a California roll, all right? How many like sushi in here? How many refuse to try it? God, in the name of Jesus, I release open-mindedness right now. Just messing with you. So we take him, and you know, Matt's messing with him, and he's like, oh, you need more of that green stuff. We're sloppy. He's like, oh, you need to pile that on there. And then all of a sudden, he gets to the shrimp roll. And he's like, and I was like, hey, hey, Matthew, you need to, you need to take that tail off. And Matt's like, no, you, you eat that. So then all of a sudden, you know, he puts that thing in his mouth, and he's crunching on the tail. <laughs> Matt's laughing. And uh, he's still a big brother. Matt is my big, my big brother, and he still sometimes acts like that. He used to just be so ruthless to me. I'll share one story, and it won't be a long bunny trail, but he used to put a roll of duct tape on my wrist. All right, This was a game he played, and he would pin me down, and he'd say, if you get that roll of duct tape off, I'll give you a dollar. All right. You know, I'm 8, 10 years old. No problem. I can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. It's knees are digging in my shoulders and I'm pinned back. But anyway, uh, he's hilarious. So anyway, we, we, Pain back. Huh? Pain back. I did once when I was 17. He's never pinned me down ever since that moment. But I gotta be careful. He's still, I quit working out a few years ago. He didn't. And I used to be a lot stronger than him. Not anymore. He's got me. Plus, he did whip me when we had the MMA uh, group here. So he, he, would, he, he was better than me. <laughs> Humble yourselves, right? Think of everybody else as better than you, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? He's better than me. Okay. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I forget where the sushi story was going. 
Any help would be appreciated. If not, we're going to just move right along. What's that? Yeah, it was way before that. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go back to Mexico here. Yeah! Hunger! Thank you. Thank you so much. You're amazing. You are for this divine moment right here. You are not here by accident. You are not here by chance. God has you for such a time as this. We're having fun today, right? So anyway, I'm telling Armando, I was like, if you dangle something in front of somebody, so sushi, you hate it your first time, right? It's disgusting. I never wanted to try sushi again in my life. But then all of a sudden you acquire a taste and you begin to crave it. I'm so sorry, John, if I've been offensive during the sushi talk. <laughs> he manages Fusion. He's the general manager of Fusion. So uh, sushi restaurant day, incredible. You got to try it out. Anyway, if you start to eat it, then you crave it. And that's the thing I was just telling him. All of a sudden, you're dangling the goodness of God, the joy of God. It's the goodness of God that turns hearts and turns them into repentance. So all of a sudden, you're dangling this good stuff. And we develop a craving for it. So we have a little taste and a little... And he says, oh, taste and see that I'm good. Right? Perfect intro into this next verse. For the Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. That was so perfect, wasn't it? For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, right living, or and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not about the signs and the wonders and the physicalness. Listen, I understand half of you think our music's too loud and half of you think it's not loud enough. So what do we do? We crank it up and we offer earplugs. Everybody's happy. I understand that, but it's not about the physical things in the place. It's not about what you see, what you feel, what you taste. It's about Jesus. It's about what He did on the cross. It's about who He is. And it's what He has to offer. It always goes back to the cross. The cross is the foundation of the ends and the beginnings of the world. In the beginning was family, it's going to end with family. In the beginning was the garden, it's going to end in the garden. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word. In the beginning, right? So here in the beginning, God was good. Here's my prophetic teaching for the day. God has always been good. God is good. And God will always be good. There's your prophecy. And any prophecy should come somewhere in that mix. So here also we're dangling good stuff. And now people want it. Because we are the joy. We are the face of God now. We are the hands. We are the feet. The last thing Jesus did himself was die on the cross, rise again. Then he poured out everything else unto the people. The gifts, the manifestations, everything. Every miracle done on earth since that moment has been for you and I. To have the authority in heaven and on earth. One of those is releasing joy. That's why I said joy bombs. All of a sudden, you walk in a room. Somebody in our group was sharing this week that they work in a system that there's a lot of complaining right now, a lot of negativity. And the, one of the co-workers went to them and wanted to just kind of, she, she called it frog vomit. Just, if you were here for late, he talked about the frogs in our lives. She, she said this lady just tried to frog vomit all the way on her. And she just kept, kept encouraging her. Oh, I know it's tough, but we're going to get through it and things are going to be good. That's releasing the joy of God. The releasing the joy of heaven. It's releasing the goodness of God right on people all around us because we're joy bombs. 
So joy is attractive and joy is contagious and it attracts joy. Just watch somebody laugh and what are you going to end up doing? Laughing. We were at a cool place yesterday with, with Dustin and Rachel and as you can tell in the video, I love coffee. So I go to lots of coffee places. Most of them were baristas and people at coffee shops. Alright? So I love this. But the deal is this. That was a bridge statement, just hoping I would catch up where my thoughts were. <laughs> I shouldn't stay up so late looking for shoes. Anyway. I was in these atmospheres and we were at the Second Street Market. All of a sudden I'm seeing people have a good time. I'm seeing people laugh. I'm seeing, and the only thing it's doing to me is bring a smile on my face. I love seeing have a good time. Now when you don't have God up in you, you hate seeing people have a good time. You want everybody to be nastier than you are. You want everybody else to have it worse than you. And no one else better have it any better than you. But when you have the fullness of Christ and in His presence is the fullness of joy, you want everybody having a good time. And then it makes you happy, right? Joy attracts joy. A few more things here and we're going to close. And I like this verse because it ties in the series quite a bit. Romans 15, 13. Just about three more points and then we're just going to close. Matter of fact, the musicians can come and we're going to have a joy tunnel and a joy party. Okay? But first we're going to do an activation uh, thing. So in the next couple minutes, get pen and a paper out. And if you need some, the bulletins, just rip the back off and rip, rip it in half or thirds and pass it to your friends. There should be pins in the front of you. If you need pins and papers, we're going to ask one of the ushers to kind of make something happen. There's some computer paper and a bunch of pins. All right. Romans 14, 7. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, everybody say the source of hope. When you know where your hope is, and you know where your hope is coming from, you have no choice but to experience the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Our strength comes from the joy of the Lord. I will run and not grow weary. Imagine what that looks like. As I'm running, I, I try to run a couple miles every, four days a week. And I cannot stand running. I hate running. There's probably nothing I'm more passionately against than running. But I love the effects of running. So I do it. But imagine running a marathon, like Destiny's parents, they run 100 mile marathons every once in a while. Imagine running a marathon where you don't even get tired. I will run, it doesn't say I will jog or I will walk, I will run and I won't even get tired. So the hope, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, so hope gets you there, all right? Reading on, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Oh, come on. Come on. Then you will overflow with confident hope to the power of the Holy Spirit. Say, my cup runneth over. You were meant to drink and leak, but you can't leak unless you're full. I'm talking overflowing. And then when I leak out, I leak out the goodness of God. I leak out the joy of God. I leak out the love of God. And people actually want to be around me. How many want to be around somebody that's doom and gloom and negative and just always a naysayer? How many want to be around somebody happy? 
full of life, full of hope, full of joy, full of love. That's who I want to surround myself. If I want to kill giants, I want to surround myself and be under giant killers. Whatever I want to go for, I'm going to surround myself with people like that. I had to be careful what preachers and what podcasts and what people I was listening to. Because I was starting to get into the work system and I was starting to get into a system of performance. And so I had to guard my heart for the wellspring of life. And I had to actually surround myself in my podcast and everything else with people that are bringing life, the power of God, and everything was consuming me about the goodness of Him. That's what I want to leak out. All right, just, just a couple more verses. And, and I just want to point out that God loves a cheerful giver. Right? It says that if you want to go there, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver. And all of us, for me, for the most part, I've always referenced that as giving money. But it's giving anything. It's giving your time. It's giving your money. It's giving your service. It's giving your gifts. It's giving your talents. It's giving anything of yourself. It even says present yourself a living sacrifice. So as I'm giving myself to God, He loves a cheerful giver. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of the people in Psalms. He inhabits the praises of the people. As our praise go up, he literally comes in the building, watches, sits with us, and is pleased. He says he delights in us. He rejoices over us, right? He inhabits the praises of his people. As our praise and our joy goes up, all of a sudden, his presence in him, he sits with us. There's one more story I'm going I'm to finish with, and then we're just going to have a joy party. David. He fell to Bathsheba, right? He messed up. Isn't it amazing that some of the biggest mess-ups that we read about in the Bible are some of the most powerful people? Because God's not dwelling on your mistakes and your history. He's commissioning you to your destiny. And He doesn't care about where you were. He doesn't care that David, you know, slept with Bathsheba and had a, had a person that was premature and a baby. You know, He doesn't care that Paul was part of being martyrs. He was part of that, but yet he wrote most of the New Testament. Yes. He knew Thomas was going was to doubt him. He knew Peter was going to deny him. But yet these guys were picked, hand-picked. God doesn't need an army or he would have picked more than 12 to turn the world upside down. But many of us, we don't want to be part of a bigger system because we think we're insignificant. David was the youngest at the table. He wasn't even at the dinner table in, in, in Jesse's house. All of a sudden, they call me back and said, you're king. Two messages from now or so, I'm going to preach. Many of us, we want to rule and reign, but we're not willing to kill the giants first. Heard a great story about George Washington. Had no idea he was the war hero that he was. Had no idea that what he did and accomplished on the battlefield and the courage that that man had. But he couldn't be president until he fought on the battlefield. Can't wait to preach it. I will stop right there. But anyway, David, he, he, he makes this big mistake. And he, and, he, and he falls to Bathsheba and he falls to this temptation. And then all of a sudden, the guy, the man that was known for his praise, known for his songs, known for his worship, he was a man after God's own heart, falls to temptation. Now all of a sudden, his prayers and songs are, Oh God, return to me the joy of my salvation. Restore me the joy of your salvation. He's saying right there, salvation, serving God, and living righteously is supposed to be fun. Amen. Yes. Many of us in here, we've lost our fun. Come on. I want to get fun back. Yeah. I want to get joy back. 
My wife, she said she married me because of how funny I was. And how cute. I probably used to be a little cuter and about 40 pounds lighter. But we're not going there. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But anyway, she, she was just telling me just two weeks ago that she married me, and, and one of the reasons that attra first attracted her to me was I was funny. And, and, and I've had some of my family members say that, Aaron, you've turned too serious. I think over the last year I've gotten a whole lot of that back. But I've been working on getting my joy back because the enemy tried to steal it. When I was 16, I shared this story. I'm just going to briefly share it this time. When I was 16 years old, I was working at Kroger's as a bagger, and I had this girl that I, was, I had a crush on, and she called me sweet and smiley. And I'm, I'm, I'm this 16, 17 year old that's benching 315 pounds as a great football player. I don't want no nickname of Smiley. I refuse from that day forward to smile ever again. And I lost my joy. About 17 years old, I began to lose my joy. And then I began to get into other things that just stole. I lost the happiness first, right? Then all of a sudden, the enemy stole my joy. But I'm here to stand and say, I'm ready to get my joy back. I'm ready to continue to get my joy. Why don't you stand with me? Actually, just sit right where you are. Get those pins and papers out. Squirrel. Where? Squirrel. Where? Okay, we're going to close. Have you had fun at church today? Most of all, have you experienced the goodness of God today? Yeah. Yeah.